أعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وسيئات أعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدًا عبده ورسوله أما بعد تريدن باب قول الله تعالى فلا تجعلوا لله أندادا The chapter regarding the statement of Allah and do not make alongside Allah partners وقوله جل ذكر وتجعلون له أندادا ذلك رب العالمين وقوله والذين لا يدعون مع الله إلها آخر وقوله ولقد أوحي إليك وإلى الذين من قبلك لئن أشركت ليحبطن عملك ولتكونن من الخاسرين بل الله فاعبد وكن من الشاكرين وقال عكرمة وما يؤمن أكثرهم بالله إلا وهم مشركون وقوله ولئن سألتهم من خلقهم ليقولن الله ومن خلق السماوات والأرض ليقولن الله فذلك إيمانهم وهم يعبدون غيره وما ذكر في خلق أفعال العباد وأكسابهم لقوله تعالى وخلق كل شيء فقدره تقديرا وقال مجاهد ما تنزل الملائكة إلا بالحق بالرسالة والعذاب ليسأل الصادقين عن صدقهم المبلغين المؤدين من الرسل وإنا له حافظون عندنا والذي جاء بالصدق القرآن وصدق به المؤمن يقول يوم القيامة يقول يوم القيامة هذا الذي أعطيتني عملت بما فيه All of that section there then it is mentioning as the title of the chapter suggests regarding the tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone and not associating partners alongside Allah mentions in the chapter title فَلَا تَجْعَلُوا لِلَّهِ أَنْدَادًا Do not make partners equals alongside Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and in the ayah وَتَجْعَلُونَ لَهُ أَنْدَادًا and that you make alongside him partners ذَلِكَ رَبُّ الْعَالَمِينَ that he is the Lord of all of the creation and وَالَّذِينَ لَا يَدْعُونَ مَعَ اللَّهِ إِلَهًا آخَرٍ those who do not worship another deity alongside Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it was revealed to, the, to you and to those who came before you that if you were to associate partners alongside Allah then your actions would be destroyed and you would be from the losers rather it is Allah worship him worship Allah and be with the grateful ones and similarly, Allah mentioned many of them do not believe except that they associate partners alongside Allah. And the ayah, if you were to ask them who created them, they would say Allah. Um, this chapter then, 
going into the explanation, into the sections of it, Sheikh Al-Athameen says, هذا الباب يتعلق بتوحيد الأسماء والصفات This chapter is connected to the names and attributes of Allah The tawheed of the names and attributes of Allah We've mentioned many times before Regarding this category of tawheed The names and attributes of Allah We know that Allah has many names not restricted to 99 only more than that and we don't know how many names Allah has exactly all of the names of Allah are at the perfection of beauty all of them from the beautiful names of Allah that indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he has the most beautiful of the names, so call upon him via those names. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the beautiful names in the perfection of beauty. So call upon him via those names. And the attributes of Allah, we've spoken about that many times before too. The attributes of perfection to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala perfection without any deficiency without any shortcoming that Allah has the most perfect of attributes the mighty and majestic so this chapter revolves around that topic of the names and attributes of Allah and similarly the chapter has a connection to the Tawheed of Al-Ibadah What is Tawheed Al-Ibadah? Tawheed Al-Uluhiyyah Sometimes referred to as Tawheed Al-Ibadah The worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone, sincerely, purely And Tawheed Al-Rububiyyah That Allah is the Lord, the Creator, the Provider فَلَا تَجْعَلُوا لِلَّهِ أَنْدَادًا So do not make partners alongside Allah Those who resemble Allah Do not make equals to Allah اَيْ نُظَرَاءَ نِدًّا لِلَّهِ فَيَكُونُ فِيهِ رَدٌ عَلَىٰ أَهْلِ التَّمْثِيلِ It is therefore a refutation of the people who make resemblances to Allah and comparisons to Allah, similarities to Allah. Of course, we know and we've explained, you cannot make resemblances or comparisons or similarities to Allah. The fact that we affirm the names and attributes of Allah does not necessitate at all that there is any resemblance between Allah and the creation. وَهَذَا يَتَعَلَّقُ بِتَوْحِيدِ الصِّفَاتِ وَرَدٌ عَلَىٰ عُبَّادِ الْأَصْنَامِ وَهَذَا يَتَعَلَّقُ بِتَوْحِيدِ الْعِبَادَةِ وَرَدٌ عَلَىٰ مَنْ زَعَمُوا أَنَّ لِلْعَالَمِ خَالِقَيْنِ فَيَتَعَلَّقُ بِتَوْحِيدِ الْرُبُوبِيَّةِ So it is a refutation of those who worship the idols because they worshipped others besides Allah and here we are affirming the oneness of worship to Allah 
And it is a refutation of those who claim that there are two creators of the world or even multiple creators of this world or in this world. And we affirm that there is only one creator, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The discussions here that Sheikh Al-Athameen mentions, we have mentioned them not once, not twice, but probably five or six times throughout the course of this book. Every time we used to have one of those breaks, and then we come back and discuss the names and attributes, it is this discussion right now regarding ta'atil, regarding uh, the tamthil, ta'atil, the different types and how they overlap. So we mentioned before the four prohibitions. When it comes to the names and attributes of Allah, there are four prohibitions that you cannot fall into. The first of them is ta'atil, which is negation, rejection of the names and attributes of Allah. We do not reject them or negate them in any way. We affirm them. Second prohibition, tahrif, distortion and alteration. We don't distort or alter the names and attributes of Allah. Third one, tamthil, takif. In the order that we typically mention, in the order Shaykh al-Islam mentioned, takif, making a detail of how some of the attributes of Allah are, the howness of something, it's like this or it's like that, doesn't necessarily have to be a comparison to something, but it's a description that you give to something. And fourthly is the tamthil, comparison and resemblance of Allah to creation. So we do not fall into any of that. We've also mentioned previously that the people of deviation when it comes to this issue of the names and attributes of Allah are two main groups of deviation. They are the Mu'attilah and the Mushabbiha. The Mu'attilah, a group of the people of deviation, several sects fall under this title. The Mu'attilah are the groups who basically... What do they do with the names and attributes? They reject and they deny the names and attributes of Allah. On the other side, the Mushabbiha and all of the groups that fall under this category, they basically compare and make resemblance of the names and attributes of Allah to creation. Both groups did what they did upon a premise that in its pure form is actually correct. So what is the premise that the Mu'attilah took which in its pure form is correct and established by Ahlul Sunnah? That you cannot liken Allah to creation. True or false? True, you cannot liken Allah to creation. But then they took that and exaggerated it to the level they began to say that the only way we can be absolutely 100% sure 
that we are not likening any of the attributes, the names of Allah to anything in creation is by simply just saying that Allah doesn't have any. That way we can never possibly be comparing him to any names or attributes in creation. Just say that Allah doesn't have any. Negate, negate them, reject them. Then we cannot ever possibly fall into comparing Allah to creation. However, that was a mistake. They went too far. Because by doing that, they have rejected the names and attributes in the Quran that Allah has affirmed for himself. And by doing that, they've actually fallen into the exact thing they were hoping to escape from. Comparison of Allah to creation. They have compared Allah to creation by negating and rejecting all of his names and attributes. How? How have they compared Allah to creation when they've used their logic of saying, we'll negate all of the names and attributes of Allah, therefore we cannot possibly be comparing him to anything in creation. But they did. But how? Hands up if you know. Only one, two, three. The Mu'attila rejected the names and attributes of Allah saying that this is the only way we can guarantee we're not going to be comparing Allah to creation. Because, we're not say, because we are saying Allah doesn't have any names and attributes. Therefore, there's no possibility of any comparison to the names and attributes of creation. But they did. They did end up making a comparison. But how then? How many people? Only three? Four? We mention these things so often, so often, that when I'm mentioning it again, I feel like half of the people are going to be thinking he's saying it again. But then there's only four people here who know the answer. Go on then. Because if you say Allah has no names, no attributes, if something has no names, no name to it. There's a thing which has no name. And it has no description. Then what is that? Nothing. If there's no name, there's no attributes to it, then what is it? It's nothing. So you're now comparing Allah to nothingness. To you, you're describing Allah as nothingness. And that's why Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah mentioned they are worshipping or declaring Allah to be like nothingness. And of course that is false. The other side, the Mushabbiha, their premise was so to affirm. They said, look, Allah has mentioned these names and attributes. We have to affirm them. True or false? Absolutely true. But then they took that so far they began to say, well, Allah would only ever talk to us with names and attributes and mention these things in a way that we can comprehend and understand. And the only way we comprehend and understand these things is the names and attributes that we see and we have in creation. Therefore, it must be similar or something along those lines. And they began, therefore, in their affirmation taking it so far that they made resemblance of Allah to creation. So, 
Sheikh al-Islam said, it is as though they are worshipping an idol, comparing Allah to creation. So the Shaykh, he mentioned some points like that, and he mentions the point about how every... Well, you have the two groups, the Mu'attila and the Mushabbiha. How do they overlap? Somebody tell us. How do they overlap? Every, you know, one of those formulas, every such and such is a such and such, but not every such and such is a such and such. How would you put that together with the Mushabbiha and the Mu'attila? Use that phrase. How would you put that phrase together? So every Mu'attil is a Mumathil or Mushabbih. Every, from the people of innovation who reject the names and attributes, they have all made comparison. It can be argued that. How so? Because in their minds, they understood the names and attributes of Allah to be a comparison and that's why they rejected them. You could argue that every Mushabbih is a Mu'attil too. How come? Because he has rejected the reality. It mentions here, فَصَارَ الْآنْ كُلُّ مِنْ ثَلَاثَةِ كُلُّ مُعَطِّلْ فَهُوَ مُمَثِّلٍ لِأَنَّهُ مَثَّلَ أَوَّلًا وَعَطَّلَ ثَانِيًا إِذًا كُلٌّ مِنْهُمَا جَعَلَ لِلَّهِ أَنْدَادًا Similar to what we mentioned just now. When they reject the names and attributes of Allah, it's because they envisaged a comparison. The ones who compare, they have rejected the reality of the names and attributes too, until they've then made their comparison and changed and given a description that isn't real. So there are the groups of deviation on this regard. There are several ayat here that talk about the names and attributes of Allah. Ayat that talk about al-rububiyya, al-uluhiyya. In a nutshell, that whole category of discussion regarding al-rububiyya, wal-uluhiyya, and al-asma'u wa-sifat. This whole section. We've done it, we've clarified it, and it should be something that everybody can explain. Particularly, if somebody new comes to you, they ask you to explain Tawheed. There is a detailed section here, the Sheikh speaks about various affairs, but if there were only four answers to the last question, then it's doubtful. With regards to Tawheed then, Al-Rububiyya, Al-Uluhiyya, Al-Asma'u Wa-Sifat. Somebody now says to you, explain this whole thing to me. Explain this thing about Tawheed. What is it? What's going on? Explain what Tawheed is. Explain what these categories, what's going on. Explain all this to me. So, put your hands up. Who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? Put your hands up if you go to the CC Da'wah stall. One. Put your hands up if you go to the CC Da'wah stall. Just one? Two? 
Just two people here go. Alright. Anybody else then? So nobody can explain what Tawheed is. Nobody can explain that concept of the religion. One. Just one person from the audience tonight. Two. Two people from the audience tonight can explain Tawheed. Two people from the audience tonight can explain Tawheed. Three. Salamatullah. What are you going to do if a family member asks you, you guys, you go to that Salafi center of yours and you're doing Tawheed and you're always talking about Tawheed. So tell me then, what is it? What are you going to say? You don't know? Your family asks you, explain this thing to me, then you Salafis always talking about Tawheed and you're always saying that's the important thing and all these books you do about Tawheed and everything. Then tell us, then explain to us, sit down, sit down at the dining table. Explain to us what it is then, what you Salafis are about then, your father asks, your mother asks you, your aunties, uncles, family, relatives, what are you going to say to them? Still no hands? Shyness? Three memes we spoke about a while back. There is the meme of the mustahi and the meme of the mustakbir. The letter meme in the Arabic language. The mustahi and the mustakbir. Those two memes don't gain knowledge, huh? That's another thing as well you can mention, but these two memes particularly the one that stop you from seeking knowledge. That's the intention of seeking knowledge. But this stops you from seeking knowledge. Mustahi, the one who is shy. If you are shy, then it prevents you from seeking knowledge. Prevents you from asking questions. Prevents you from bringing up issues and putting your hand up. And The statement of Aisha radiallahu anha about the women of the Ansar. About the women. She said, how good are the women of the Ansar? Their shyness doesn't prevent them from learning about their religion. Ni'ma nisa al-ansar Lam yakun yamna'ahunna haya'uhunna min an yas'alna an umuri dinihinna Because they used to come and ask about their period and about the blood which comes out of the period. They used to ask about these things, even narrations about asking about wet dreams for the women. Because there are Islamic rulings linked to that. Your worship, your ibadah, your ghusl, your wudu. You need to know. So Aisha said how good they are. Because normally it's a good characteristic to have to be shy. Particularly for the women. Modesty, shyness, quietness. But when it comes to seeking knowledge, Aisha says, How good are the women of the Ansar? Their shyness, which is good and praiseworthy. But it did not prevent them from seeking knowledge. And the other one is Mustakbir, the one who is arrogant. He thinks he's too good. He's better than everybody else. Too good for the class. Too good for this knowledge. Too good for it all. No need to come. No need to attend. So he's deprived of knowledge. 
The shy one is deprived of knowledge and the arrogant one is deprived of knowledge. So now any more hands coming up? A few more hands now. Go on and who wants to do it? Somebody's going to ask you what is Tawheed, what are you Salafis on about? What are you going to say? Who's going to say it? Go on then, who? Go on then. So, if somebody comes to you with this type of scenario, they're asking you about Tawheed, they come and they say to you, you Salafis, Tawheed, Tawheed, explain to us then what is it? What is this basis that you keep going on about and all your classes are about? There is a simple breakdown of the answer you can give, mentioned by a Shaykh al in some of his books. A breakdown in a nutshell, in, in five or ten minutes, just the overview. That is just the overview. The details, of course, look now, a hundred lessons we've been going through just this book. But just an overview of what you're trying to explain to them. Tawheed, you tell them, the word Tawheed, in Arabic it means to single out something to make it one and unique. Tawheed, you tell them, yes, Tawheed, the word itself, wahada yuwahidu, means to make something single and unique. Step by step. To make something single and unique. Step two, explain to them how you make something single and unique. And that is through affirmation and negation. Step one, Tawheed is to make something single and unique. You do that via affirmation and negation. Just like in the Shahada. La ilaha illallah. There is no deity worthy of worship in truth. That is a negation. Illallah except Allah. That is an Affirmation, negation and affirmation, that is how you make something single and unique. Both negation and affirmation are required. One by itself does not make Tawheed. You remember the example, Shaykh Al-Athaymin gave that example to highlight how affirmation and negation works. Along the lines of saying, imagine now behind that door, in that room, there are four people. Abu Bakr, Umar, Khalid, 
Uthman, whatever, four people. So from those four people behind that door in that room, I tell you, from the four of them, Abu Bakr, Umar, Khalid, Uthman, Abu Bakr is standing up. I have now affirmed, given you an affirmation, that Abu Bakr from the four of them is standing up behind that door. We cannot see, but I tell you that's what's happening. So now I've affirmed Abu Bakr is standing up. If I now ask you, how many people are standing up then in that room? There's four of them, and I've affirmed Abu Bakr from the four of them is standing up. So how many are standing up in the room? Huh? One, and that is Abu Bakr, because I affirmed that he is standing up. What is Uthman and Khalid and Ali, the other three, what are they doing? Sitting down? Did I say they were sitting down? Who said they were sitting down? They are not standing? Who said they are not standing? As they say. Here I am, alive, being given sustenance and provisions, and you're lying upon me right there. I said, Abu Bakr is standing up. Did I say he is the only one standing up? No, witnesses. Did I say he is the only one standing up? I have 30 witnesses against you. To the courtroom. So I said, Abu Bakr is standing up. That's all I said. I gave you an affirmation that Abu Bakr is standing up. Did I give you a negation about the other three? That they are not standing up? I didn't give you a negation. Is it possible, therefore, all four of them are actually standing up? Maybe. In order for me to make Abu Bakr single and unique in the act of standing up, I have to give you the affirmation, Abu Bakr is standing up. But then I have to give you the negation and say, the other three are not standing up. So now when I ask you how many are standing up, you can say definitely. One, because I've given you affirmation about him standing up, and I've given you negation on the rest. Therefore, leaving him as the one and unique in the act of standing up. Affirmation and negation. Only one of the two parts does not make something single and unique. Me just saying Abu Bakr is standing up doesn't make him single and unique in that act. Others could be participating with him. The other way around, if I give you a negation and I say that in that room there are four people, Abu Bakr is not standing up. I've given you a negation. How many are standing up? Maybe three, maybe two, maybe none. Because maybe all three of the others are not standing up either. I didn't give you an affirmation about the other three. So to make single and unique, you have to have an affirmation and a negation. That is one of the key concepts of Tawheed. That has to be understood and learned. Because all of the ayat of the Quran, everywhere, the ayat about Tawheed and Shirk, Affirmation and negation. Wa'budu Allah wa la tushriku bihi shay'a. 
worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that's an affirmation وَلَا تُشْرِكُوا بِهِ شَيْئًا and do not associate partners with him that is a negation وَلَقَدْ بَعَثْنَا فِي كُلِّ أُمَّةٍ رَسُولًا أَنِ اعْبُدُوا اللَّهِ وَاجْتَنِبُوا الطَّاغُوتِ we sent to every nation a messenger preaching to them worship Allah affirmation وَاجْتَنِبُوا الطَّاغُوتِ stay away from the false deities negation يَا قَوْمِ اعْبُدُوا اللَّهِ مَا لَكُمْ مِنْ إِلَهٍ غَيْرَ oh people Worship Allah, you do not have a deity besides Allah. Worship Allah, affirmation. You do not have any other deity besides Allah. Negation. Everywhere in the Quran like that, in the Sunnah like that. أتدري ما حق الله على العباد أن يعبدوه ولا يشركوا به شيئا The right of Allah upon his servants that they worship him and do not associate partners alongside him. Affirmation negation. La ilaha illallah. None has the right to be worshipped. Negation. Illallah except Allah. Affirmation. Singling out therefore Allah with that uh, uh, right to be worshipped alone. So you've now explained to the person Tawheed. It means to make single and unique. How do we do that? Through affirmation and negation. Where does that apply then? In the various aspects of Tawheed. This is step three now. Step one, Tawheed means to make single and unique. Step two, it's about affirmation and negation to do that. Step three, you're now going to show them how to implement those first two steps of making single and unique with affirmation and negation. So where are you going to show them? How are you going to show them? How that's implemented? In the categories of Tawheed. In Al-Rububiyyah, Al-Uluhiyyah, and Al-Asma'u Wa-Sifat. So you say to them, Al-Rububiyyah, it is to affirm that Allah is the Creator. To affirm that Allah is the Provider. To affirm Allah is the Sustainer. To affirm Allah is the one who gives life and death. To affirm Allah is the one who controls the whole universe. And to negate that anybody else participated or aided Allah in the action of creation, in the action of providing for us, in the action of sustaining us, in the action of giving life and death, in the action of controlling the universe. All of these actions of Allah, you affirm them to Allah. He alone does them and you negate them from all others besides Allah. Affirmation and negation in terms of the actions of Allah. That's why they call Ar-Rububiyyah the Tawheed of Allah in His actions. He alone is the creator, nobody else. Negation elsewhere. He alone is the one who gives life and death, nobody else. He alone is the one who provides nobody else. Affirm all of these actions to Allah, negate them from all others. So Allah is the one who gives life and death. Not the dead people in the graves, they don't give you life and death. Not the idols, they don't give you life and death. And that's why they mention that story about the man who once said that I can give life and death. He had an audience in front of him and he said to them, I can give life and death. So he brought a jar 
And he put inside of that jar rotting meat. Rotting meat and rotting smelly food. Close the jar. Anything alive in there? The dead meat. Overdate meat rotting away. Nothing alive that can be seen alive. He says, he closes it. He says, watch, I will create life in this jar. It stays closed. After a few hours, suddenly there's things moving around inside. Maggots. You know, the small maggots. They were obviously there on the meat, etc. So maggots appear. He says, look, nobody opened the jar. I didn't put them in there. I created them in the jar. So then they say, there was a young boy in the audience. A smart young boy in the audience. He says, if you created them then, can you tell us how many you've created in the jar? There's a lot moving around. How many did you create in the jar? How many maggots did he create in the jar? They're everywhere moving around. He doesn't know how many maggots are in the jar. The boy says, you created them, but you don't know how many you created. How are you the one who created them? You're the creator, but you don't know how many you created. Then the boy says to him, since you created them and gave them life, then when will you give them death? When will they all stop moving around and die? When are you going to give them death since you gave them life, as you say? So does the man know when every maggot, the last one of the maggots will die? Maybe a day, two days, three days, a week, two weeks. Who knows when those maggots are all finally going to die out? He doesn't know. The boy says, if you gave them life, you are the creator as you claim. Then how come you don't know when you're going to give them death? So he highlighted that boy with his smartness there. To all of the people, this man is not the creator of those entities, the maggots in the jar. He doesn't know how many are in there. He doesn't know when they're going to die. He's fabricating his claim of creating them. Allah is the creator alone. So, ar-rububiyyah, it is affirmation and negation with the actions of Allah. You affirm the creation, the sustenance, the provision, the life and death, the control of the universe, all of those actions, affirm them to Allah, negate them from all others besides Allah. Then Al-Uluhiyya. Same again. We're going to make Tawheed in Al-Uluhiyya. To make single and unique in Al-Uluhiyya. How are we going to do that? With affirmation and negation. This time it's affirmation and negation with our actions. In Al-Rububiyya it was about the Actions of Allah in Al-Uluhiyyah, it is about our actions. We affirm all of our worship to Allah alone. And we negate our worship to be done for anyone else besides Allah. Worship from the heart, upon the tongue, upon the limbs. Whatever form of that worship it may be, then we attribute or affirm that to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَمَا أُمِرُوا إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ مُخْلِصِينَ لَهُ الدِّينَ حُنَفَاءَ 
that they were not commanded except to worship Allah alone sincerely, purely upon Tawheed, Hunafa. So we single out our worship from the heart to Allah, reject it to others, negate it from others. Our worship upon our tongues, our remembrance, our dhikr, our Quran, dua to Allah, not our dua to others besides Allah. That's why it is shirk to go and call upon the dead in the graves because now you are doing an act of worship that you are supposed to be affirming to Allah alone and negating from others. You have not negated it from others if you're going to go and do dua to the dead in the graves. Hence, that is shirk. So you must affirm all of your worship and do it for the sake of Allah. Negate it from others. You're not doing it for anybody else. No showing off, no dead in the graves, no shafa'a. That is the tawheed in singling out Allah, making one and unique in your worship to Allah alone. Then the third category, al-asma'u wa-sifat, to make Allah single and unique in the names and attributes through affirmation and negation. You affirm and accept and acknowledge and believe in all of the names and attributes of Allah and you affirm them to Allah and you negate them from all others besides Allah. But the mushrikun did not do that. They did not negate the names of Allah from their idols. They were performing some level of ilhad as it is known. Even though on the whole they didn't have the issue in the names and attributes, but there were points highlighted in that belief regarding the mushrikeen. So for example, they took the name of Allah, Allah, and they gave it to their idols in the feminine form, Allah. And similarly, Al-Uzza, from the name of Allah, Al-Aziz, and Al-Manat, from the name of Allah, Al-Mannan. They did that Ilhad, as it is known as, in the names of Allah. Similarly, from those three categories, that is your basic explanation of affirmation and negation throughout those categories. First step was to explain to the person Tawheed is about making single and unique. How do you do that? Through affirmation and negation and clarify and quote those ayat of the Quran and the Shahada and how it works in affirmation and negation. And then the third aspect of your explanation is to implement that into the three categories of Tawheed and show them how it works with affirmation and negation because even that very basic explanation already refutes all of the shirk that they do. They go to the graves and call upon the dead. You tell them now, in terms of al-uluhiyyah, you're supposed to be doing all of your worship purely to Allah, affirming it to Allah, negating it from others. But now you're doing your dua to this dead person in the grave. Therefore, you have not negated your worship from others. Shirk. Not allowed to be done. Showing off. You come into the mosque and you start praying beautifully because you can see the people sitting and they're watching you. So then you pray beautiful and you make your ruku' long and your sujood long. Shirk. It's a type of shirk. Riyah. Minor shirk, because now you're doing your worship purely for the sake of Allah or also for the sake of the eyes and the praise of the people. 
Therefore, you've not made the affirmation of that worship purely to Allah. You've not negated it from others. You're doing it for them to see and to give you praise. Hence, showing off is known as a type of shirk. That's why it's important to know that basic explanation. That is what, 10-15 minutes. A basic explanation you give to the people regarding what Tawheed is, regarding who the Muwahid is. Then the details of all of that you have in these hundred lessons now. And you'll have in the likes of Kitab al-Tawheed particularly. The Kitab al-Tawheed, the, the other one, the famous one of a Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab that clarifies in detail how to do the affirmation in the Uluhiyya, which is your worship to Allah and negate your worship from others. That's the key because throughout history, the conflict that occurred between the prophets and their people was not in Ar-Rububiyyah, was not in Al-Asma'u Wa-Sifat, it was in Al-Uluhiyyah. That they did not want to single out Allah with worship. When the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said to them, Qulu la ilaha illallah tuflihu. He said to the Mushrikeen, Say la ilaha illallah and you'll be successful. They said, they said he wants to make all of our deities into just one to worship only one that is something strange no they wanted to carry on worshiping their other deities alongside Allah they did not want to negate their worship from others even though they affirmed worship to Allah they did the affirmation but they didn't do the negation. They did an element of the affirmation, but they didn't do the negation. There are those who take partners alongside Allah, and they love them as they love Allah. So they affirm their worship or their love for Allah, but they haven't negated it from their deities. They love them too. Hence it is shirk. So you see Tawheed, it is to make something single and unique. In relation to our topic, making Allah single and unique through affirmation and negation in his rububiyyah, in his uluhiyyah, in his al-asma' wa-sifat. That is the basis of understanding Tawheed. That is what we should all be able to explain that last 20 minutes, 15 minutes or so. Every one of us should be able to explain all of that. Simple stages broken down the basics. We should all know that. All of us should be able to explain the basics of Tawheed. The basics of Ar-Rububiyyah, Al-Uluhiyyah, Al-Asma'u Sifat. If we cannot, then there is a problem in how we're studying and how we're doing our Talab Al-Ilm. Those are basics. And a student of knowledge, a person, anybody, should know those basics. Um, after that, there is a hadith here. We'll just conclude on this hadith. قال حدثنا قتيبة ابن سعيد قال حدثنا جرير عن منصور عن بوائل عن عمر بن شرحبيل عن عبد الله قال سألت النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أي الذنب أعظم عند الله 
He says that I asked the Prophet وسلم, which sin is the greatest with Allah? What is the greatest sin against Allah? قال أن تجعل لله ندا وهو خلقك that you make a partner alongside Allah whilst he is the one who created you. قلت إن ذلك العظيم he says I said that is certainly something great. It's a tremendous affair, a great sin to make a partner alongside Allah when Allah is the one who created us, not this partner that you're making alongside Allah. قلت ثم أيو he says, then I asked the Prophet ﷺ, what's the next greatest sin? قال, ثم أن تقتل ولدك تخاف أن يطعم معك. That you kill your child fearing that he's going to eat with you. Meaning fearing poverty. قلت, ثم أيو, then I said, what? قال, ثم أن تزاني بحليلة جاركة. That you fornicate with your neighbor's wife. هذه الترتيبات الثلاث these uh, three things mentioned in that order are in the Quran. وَالَّذِينَ لَا يَدْعُونَ مَعَ اللَّهِ إِلَهًا آخَرٍ Those who do not call alongside Allah another person, a partner, any other deity. وَلَا يَقْتُلُونَ النَّفْسَ الَّتِي حَرَّمَ اللَّهِ And they do not kill the soul that Allah has made haram for you to kill. إِلَّا بِالْحَقِّ Except with the right. وَلَا يَزْنُونَ And they do not fornicate. The point of this narration in the topic of Tawheed is that when the first answer was given, the greatest sin is that you make partners alongside Allah whilst He is the one who created you. What is the purpose of that there to highlight? That the partners you make alongside Allah, the Rububiyya, the partners you make alongside Allah, did they create you? Did they create anything in fact? No, because creation is an action you affirm to Allah and negate from all others. So how can you worship any others knowing you're negating this great action of creation of the heavens and the earth and the universe from them? They didn't create, they didn't provide, they didn't sustain, they didn't give life and death, they didn't control the universe. So how can you worship them besides Allah, the one who does? That is the purpose, and that is why Allah mentions Ar-Rububiyyah, points about Ar-Rububiyyah in the Qur'an often, even though the Mushriku never really had an issue with that. Because Ar-Rububiyyah, if you affirm it, it necessitates from you that you should accept Al-Uluhiyyah. If you affirm that Allah is the creator, provider, sustainer, gives life and death, controls the universe, nobody else does that, then that necessitates the only one you should be worshipping is Allah. If you worship anybody else, then it's like you're saying, you affirm only Allah creates and gives life and death, etc. And that this other one doesn't, but I'm still going to worship him. Then why? How are you going to worship this other one and why? When you negate from him creation and giving life and death and control of the universe. And Allah told us in the Quran, when you ask the mushrikeen who created them, they will say certainly it was Allah, not their idols. And when they are out on the sea and the, the waves are going to kill them, they're going to be drowned, then they call upon Allah. 
knowing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who created, controls, gives life and death. But then when they come back to land and they feel safe and secure, then they begin calling upon their other deities again. Those are basics. That is stuff that we should all know. We should be able to explain all of that ourselves. When we speak about in the three fundamental principles, knowledge, and the minimum quantity of knowledge we should all have, these types of things are in the minimum quantity of knowledge. We should all be able to explain, explain those types of things there about Tawheed and breakdown of Tawheed. But that is where we'll round off on today then. Any questions then before we conclude? We'll start with the next chapter next week. Next week, uh, Maghrib is going to be uh, maybe 7.30 or something. Lesson will have to remain at roughly the 8 p.m., 10 past 8 time. In fact, let's set the class at 8.15 p.m. Next week, it's going to have to be at 8.15 p.m. Probably for a few weeks now until Isha gets into that time. 8.15 p.m. next week and probably for a few weeks up until Isha comes in and then we go after Isha even. So 8.15 p.m. Uh, for the next few weeks. So let everybody know, as they say, the one who is present, convey it to the one who is absent. Bring your friends and families to these gatherings. Don't be negligent of them. Don't think they're not going to come and there's no point. You carry on giving them da'wah. You carry on encouraging them. Carry on bringing them to the classes. Don't think it's going to be too complicated, too difficult. They won't understand. Bring them. Bring them and let us know. Let us know if you're going to bring people who are new and they need more explanation. Well, cater for that during the class. The whole purpose of these gatherings is for the community, for the da'wah. So encourage your friends and families and everybody to come regularly and do not fall negligent in that in uh, abandoning them, not encouraging them, not calling them. So try your best with that. These gatherings are the core for the community, for the building, for the friends and the families to start practicing. This is where it begins. You come to the class, you hear the ayat, you hear the hadith, and that iman increases because the best way to increase iman, the highest way to increase iman is through seeking knowledge as the scholars say. The more you hear about the ayat of Allah, the speech of Allah, the more you hear about the hadith, the greater that impacts and increases your iman. So strive, make sure to try and bring your friends, encourage them, bring them along, and your family, encourage them, bring them along. So inshallah ta'ala, next week, 8.15 p.m. Spread the message, spread the word amongst your contacts and bring them along, 8.15 p.m. Next week, inshallah ta'ala. Any questions or anything before we round off then? The sins that they committed and all other people committed, it is not exclusive to that. Of course, shirk is involved, without a doubt. Shirk is involved and that is the major sin. Then there are other sins that they committed and that was a sin that they committed. But the primary sin of the opposers to the prophets and messengers is always 
their lack of acceptance of al-uluhiyyah. That is the primary sin and the primary opposition. All right, we'll round off on that for tonight then. Next week, 8.15, inshallah ta'ala. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ishmael.